nice. All right. Let's start with a hello. <laughs> how are you, okay. Vidya? Fine. How are you? It's been, Good. A, it's been an interesting week in the Certainly. digital world. Yeah, in the digital world, at least. Definitely. Yeah. I even today. I well, today especially, I kind of dedicated quite a bit of time to reading these Facebook files, and um, oh boy, it has definitely changed my perspective on the way that this platform works and uh just even the the depth of human suffering that is possible uh, or that exists in the world and then that gets translated into the digital world because that's what the world is it's filled with suffering so um yeah it was kind of shocking to read the way that facebook is involved with some of these things and yeah so it it's really kind of shaken my perspective of the of the thing but what what does um what do you mean by that? What was, why was the week so intense for digital for the digital world? Well, to me, because when we look from it, uh, look at it from a digital perspective, um, many people now, at least in the urbanized uh, environment, we are all connected to the uh, digitally, and the platforms that allow us to be connected is, is the it's the social media. And among the biggest, if not the biggest social media is Facebook. I think uh, they have, according to stats I have read, is more than 3 billion people on on, uh, on, on Facebook. And uh, mm. equally, or if not more, on uh, on Instagram. And uh, many, many more on, on WhatsApp. Mm. And they all belong to, to Facebook, right? And uh, Facebook went, uh, mm. went dark for a couple of hours over the last weekend. Uh, and prior to that, I think Wall Street Journal was releasing a series of uh, news articles, uh, which they call the, the Facebook files. Very interesting revelations. And the, um, somewhere along the line, the, the whistleblower revealed herself. And uh, some of these uh, articles and the, uh, some of the papers that were written uh, they were exposed, were very, very revealing, you know. Uh, I was not shocked. I was surprised to the extent that uh, it was real, you know. Uh, and I, you know, so, so that's, mm. that's pretty big. And uh, it's for the social community, this is, this is un, uh, unquestionably one of the very important, um, uh, you can say, milestone in our whole digital evolution. And from a from a business standpoint, mm. it's most shocking because um, in one of the articles I read, somebody just lost six hundred dollars in in five five days uh, in 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 a couple of hours because the the this person couldn't get uh, the classes organized. You know, she lost contact with the with the, with the students and so on. So you know, Facebook has become a integral mm. and important part of uh, of our of our lives of many people's lives. Right? So yeah. Mm. So this is important, and and uh, being being very involved in the digital world, this is this is a this is a big thing, and I'm watching this very very closely, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when you say that, it, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that we're not just involved, but actually dependent in like for in the instance of that person who lost who lost money. People, like I, I was reading articles, yeah, people's businesses are entirely based on 
one taking orders through WhatsApp and then fulfilling orders through Facebook. And like, it's a social infrastructure, much more than just a, a media sharing like platform. And I mean, there, I think there's a lot of structural issues with that inter- one, like internally, because it's actually all centralized. So there's like, if, if the system goes down, the whole thing goes down. But two, we uh, were really dependent on kind of Zuckerberg's empire for uh, not only our, you know, deep elements of our social life, but even our economic lives. And I don't know, there's something about being, uh, what's the word, like almost self-reliant that it's almost paradoxical because Facebook does actually enable a lot of that you can build your own business and have it on facebook but you're still dependent on that realm so i guess awareness needs to be brought to this interdependence of our lives through the platform and how ooh, maybe yeah maybe it isn't really the safest place to base our to have our ground it isn't a very stable ground yeah I agree with you on most part. Uh, just that the part of infrastructure, I think we have Facebook or social media is more than infrastructure. It has become ecosystem, right? So it's a it's a ecosystem that we depend that we depend on, yeah. right? What I want to share is this. I think um, today uh, in the cover page of Time Time magazine, we have uh, I'm not sure if you have seen it, but uh, it's Mark Zuckerberg. You know, and um, with a right in the middle, the cover face, and we have um, a little command at, at right in the middle. It says delete, delete Facebook, cancel, delete, make a choice, right? So I think there's a lot uh-huh. of reaction to the situation, and I believe that you know this whole situation is not a black and white or black or white situation uh, is not a situation about deleting or keeping from the civil society perspective and from our perspective uh, as a the digital bodhisattva perspective it's um, what they call this we need to keep to a kind of a middle way right and mm-hmm. what is the middle way I mean uh, middle way is sometimes you know in our communities we say it's overused <laughs> passe word, right? But it is, um, it reflects a situation where the world uh, has embraced digital communications and ecosystem uh, to a point of normality. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is really to understand, um, have a sense of the world that we live in, this whole digital world, and know mm. how to make use of it, right? So in the in the face, one of the Facebook papers, uh, when it talked about uh, what do you call this slavery, um, what do you mm-hmm. call it? Uh, what's the word for it? Human human uh, trafficking. Human trafficking, right? Okay. So yep. there's this lady who was who was duped, duped into uh, to a job in Saudi Arabia. It turned out to be a kind of slavery. She was she worked multiple hours paid very little when she wanted to resign she you know wanted to quit she was forced to pay a certain amount of money right mm-hmm. and yeah. it was the same platform that helped her so she took her, her problem <laughs> yeah. 
to Facebook, onto Facebook, and to Facebook, she connected with legal, advice, friends, connections, civil societies, and it and finally pressured the um, the the employers, uh, so-called employers that 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 took her from from Kenya to to Saudi Arabia, to say, okay, you know, wave, you don't have to pay anything, you can go back, you know, mm, fine, yeah. Right? So so I think it's we we cannot hate. It's not a love hate relationship. It's going to be here. Mm. It's here all the time, right? So it's we need to understand this so that we can, uh, from the Buddhist perspective, from from a digital perspective, how do we raise rise above the, this this the 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 world of digital mud? You know, so in the manner of speaking, right? So mm. there's this analogy of the Buddha as the lotus rising above the mud. So we need to rise above this whole digital, uh, uh, what you call this, uh, fight. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, you know. Uh, my opinion is that social media like Facebook and many others, or should I say especially Facebook, amplifies human nature. <laughs> it amplifies the situation around today. You know, human trafficking did not start on Facebook, it ha- is already happening and it's, there was a dimension of now global, you know, amplification, right? Mm. Uh, hate speech, ex- extremism, uh, violent extremism did not uh, appear because of Facebook. It was already there, Facebook. Somehow, you know, uh, the way yeah. this, that, that, that this works today allow this to be amplified and, you know, it has it has a uh, split and separated you know, society and communities. Yeah. So I think we need to really understand this, um, this whole situation. Then the, the the other thing, while we try to understand this, we also need to understand that this is if if you look at the <clears throat> long term scheme of things, this is the these are the infancy steps of a mm-hmm. digital world, right? If you yeah. look at yourself, maybe fifty years from now, okay, this whole environment, um, it may be different. It may be different. Okay, some will say it is utopian. Some has a dystopian view, but I think it's an evolution. There is there is pressure now to 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 make changes. Okay, and what we are seeing is they are being pressured to make changes to make the the platform better. Okay, right. Yet there's this balance of how do we make it better, but uh, maintain, uh, but maintain the, the the elements that make money for Facebook, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about $60, 70 billion dollar revenue, you know, um, annual revenue. So this is this is a challenge for the company itself. Remember, this company is less than twenty years old, I think, right? And, yep. uh, <laughs> seventeen. You know, yes. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, you you're talking about a CEO who's fresh out of college, <laughs> you know. So so I think. We probably need to uh, allow some level of space, you know, uh, try to evolve. Yet we need to know how to intervene to be part of the evolution. Yeah. So I mean, talking Absolutely. from a big picture perspective. So is is not hate, not love, is <laughs> there? So mm. what do we do? What do we need to do? Right. So we need to go down to what we are doing now. What are the problems we need to address? There are conflict issues in Myanmar. There is 
uh, inter-ethnic uh, conflict in certain parts of the world and so on. And in some cases, it's fueled by the social media. In some cases, social media can be used to over overcome that. So how do we work with this dynamic environment? I think that's the question we really need to ask when we are you know, talking about a bodhisattva perspective of a digital environment. You know? So I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. However, yeah, I mean, and, and I say, however, almost to be a devil's advocate, but in reading, um, in reading the, especially that piece about um, the human trafficking, one thing stuck out to me about, uh, of course, I, I was part of my process here was I was realizing, oh, right, you know, human trafficking exists. Uh, it existed before Facebook, it will exist after Facebook, but it can happen on Facebook and it's facilitated by Facebook. But crucially, Facebook makes money off of advertisements that yes. human trafficking groups give to Facebook. They make a lot of money, in fact. And it's not just, it's not just uh, human trafficking. It's the drug cartels. It's all, of like, it's all of the nefarious things that go on and are promoted on these platforms. Facebook is actually not a neutral because they're profiting. And they profit big time off of all of this, which makes me... I want to transcend the kind of dualistic frame of good and bad, but that is very bad. The fact that they will actually make money off of these things and then be slow to respond. They'll, they'll kind of fix their policies in order to make sure that the engagement of their platform isn't hurt if they do too much censoring. And like that in my mind is extremely unjust and it's disturbing. Yeah, I think that's the, this This is the, I think it's, this is the point, right? We we need to, how, how do we deal with this? Should we deal with this in itself? Or do you want to blame or point towards the economic, you know, capitalist, business capitalist approach that some people will point towards that way? If you are not on Wall Street and you are not pressured to make money, your prices are not up there, you know, uh, to, to, to maintain growth, right? Then you probably won't have this problem. Mm. <laughs> so I think this whole interdependence thing is, uh, is we, need to, we need to look at it, you know, from, from this perspective. Then on the other hand, while we are looking at um, uh, Facebook, you know, as uh, as a very powerful social media that seems to facilitate not very good activities, okay, they would they they are also afraid of other forces, yeah, right. So one of the things that they came up very strongly was, um, when when Apple found out about some of mm. the practices, right. I think it's one of the papers. It immediately, uh, you know, threatened. Okay, if if I remember the article, uh. Facebook to change, right? Otherwise, Facebook, uh, Apple would threaten to remove <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp from their uh, Apple App Store. And that's huge. They will lose billions of, uh, of users overnight, okay? Mm. So, so again, there's, there, there's, there are other forces, right? Okay, beyond just the civil society and so on, okay? So I think it's, we need to, we need to learn how to live with it and work, work, uh, with it to some extent, you know, we can't mm -hmm. control the algorithm, 
uh, that is being uh, what you call it being tested new new algorithm to test this remove likes remove share buttons and you know just it's just testing you know? so you need to be aware that that um, that this is happening so I think we need to take our foot off the pedal of the social media and focus on the work at hand in the sense that what are we trying to do to help society mm, and absolutely. Uh, to, to be engaged and how do we use the tools that are available effectively, the digital digital tools effectively? So this is the questions we all we really need to uh, ask and uh, we need to huddle and find solutions. Mm. You know, and uh, don't be dependent on on the on uh, on, uh, on 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 the social or the digital platform, you know. So we have to look at it from a very real world perspective, and how a real world react. And it is possible, you know, if we if we put our heads together and figure out something, I'm sure human ingenuity and innovation will. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some with some things, you know. Let me share one story with you. This is Malaysia, uh, 1947, okay? Um, 10 years before we, have, we had our independence and uh, there were the grassroots movement that, you know, that pushed for a people's constitution versus the elitist uh, politician that, uh, that is negotiating a, a constitution with the colonial, uh, British colonial masters. Right, and uh, they wouldn't. Uh, of course, the elite would not listen. The British would not listen. In in 1947, Malaya at that time, Malaya, Malaysia was called Malaya, organized a huge um, uh, nationwide strike. They could effectively get the message to the entire country, and everyone stopped. The bus driver stops, the, the taxi driver stops, the shops close, you know, word spread. Okay. So I think if that's the will that was made, and there was no social media to go and tell people, yeah, please mm. shut down your store, you know. And, and this is the whole country, mind you, in those days, right? 1940s, to travel up and down the country, probably take 15 hours, 12 hours by driving, maybe 20 hours, you know, just drive up and down wow. the peninsula. Now it takes about maybe 10 hours, let's say, maybe double or longer you know so if we were if you if you want to find a way to get what we want to do to achieve our our mission our goals um we will find a way with the tools that we have so i think to the civil society we need to think beyond digital platforms we need to go back to basics as well we need to understand what works and and it's about human nature reaching out to people. So how do we derive, derive strategies uh, today that work with technology rather than working on the technology itself? Mm. Okay. Yeah, so how do we do yeah. that? Yeah. Now to such a good point. And it makes me think of, uh, I mean, even like like the uh, that image of like Avalokitesarva, the like Bodhisattva of infinite compassion and the thousand arms that... Uh, can be used to act in a compassionate way. Some of them, in fact, quite a few of them are holding weapons, dangerous looking like <laughs> swords and blades and like poison daggers and like everything, Any, anything can be used in service of a, like a compassionate aim. 
for for greater peace. And so you you're right. The, the, it isn't necessarily to transform that weapon into a flower to then use it, but to use it right and to use it like effectively without creating further harm. Um, so yeah, I, I completely I resonate with what you're saying. And something that you said earlier as well, I think, was like something that I I noticed in one of these articles, and it was about the teenage mental health. Uh, kind of concerns that were raised internally at Facebook in terms of Instagram's uh, effect on like teenage girls. And they made this comparison between um, Facebook, like current Facebook and tactics that big tobacco used um, back in like the 1950s to kind of shade uh, the impact that they knew their, um, well, that, that smoking was having a lung, lung cancer, but in terms of Facebook, the effect that algorithms based on like beauty and the body have on teenage mental health. And it was interesting that there was like the same evasive tactics being used in terms of these things. And it really made me think, okay, all right. So we're at this stage in our understanding of the way that these technologies work. And of course the vested interests will be making tons of money off of them and but eventually these will actually evolve into something that is more healthy and and I believe that um it's just it's a difficult time I think but in terms of back then when lots of people were smoking and uh it's it's an interesting comparison actually because you think like you see in old videos and movies and stuff everyone is smoking in the office on the trains and the planes it almost looks exactly like people today just scrolling infinitely through their phones, like everywhere they are. <laughs> um, sure. And it's like now, now you're not allowed to smoke inside certain restaurants. Like all of these things have come about because, oh, 20, 30 years down the line, there were all these impacts on people's health in terms of people dying of cancer. And like, I wonder, you know, in 20, 30 years, there'll be, there could just be this ripple effect of, of health in terms of like, mental health and all sorts of these things. And, you know, maybe we'll have times when the bar that you walk into is insulate, its walls are insulated so that no radio frequencies can get in. And it's like, it's like a dead zone. And like, you're not allowed to use mobile technology inside because people understand it's, it's actually bad for you <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, or like, it may not be that extreme, but it's the same kind of thing that there will be evolutions in the way that we engage with, something that everybody just loves to do. It's like, it's, it's the next big addiction. Um, and I think that like, just like then when everyone was smoking, there were some people that were saying, this isn't good for you. <laughs> we need to think about this. We need, we need to think about doing this better. And eventually those voices, you know, they, they won. They, people, they kind of woke up to the, to the reality of what was happening. Um, and, but there were people there the whole time like saying, like pointing it out like that. And I, and so I guess, you know, there are lessons to be learned in the sense that you can't just change people's behavior or the way that huge structural things work overnight, but you can work on yourself and address your own interaction with these kinds of things. And you can like tend to the part of the garden that you can touch. And if that's just two people in a clubhouse room, that's what it is. And that's great. But if it's, if it's, hundreds of people in an auditorium that's also great so it's about kind of like i think we can learn that lesson from big tobacco um and really like yeah 
uh, utilize it. It was a kind of, it was a funny thing that occurred to me. And I think it was, it was great that they mentioned it in the article. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, as you were speaking, I was just wondering, just imagining a uh, health hazard, mental health hazard label at the login page of uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, secret companies took how many years and uh, and evidence after evidence that were buried, you know, uh, court cases, litigation and so on, you know, before, uh, you know, they, they were not allowed to advertise, you know, so there were so many rules like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you go to Singapore, you can't smoke indoors. <laughs> you have to be outdoor. Mm. You know? And even then, it's just designated smoking zone, you know. So, right. <laughs> you know, so I think that's that's um that's why I, I mentioned about about looking into the future is 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 the evolution, you know. And I, I like the analogy you pulled up just now when you talk about Avalokiteshvara, thousand arm, thousand eye, Bodhisattva maybe holding many tools. You know, in Buddhism we call this skillful means, and skillful means is not just skillfully using this means, you know, but it's also skillfully understanding this means, right? Um, if you want to use it skillfully, we need to know how to, we need to know it to use it, you know? You just can't pick up a sword and say, yeah, I'm going to use it, you know, <laughs> right? And and, and uh, you can't pick up a stick, you, you know, you need to know the nature of it, the what are the strengths, the weaknesses, how do you use it, do you hold it at the long end, hold it at the short end, you know, and so on. So how do you swing to have a maximum impact to hurt? How do you how do you move the stick to 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 prevent uh, hurt from happening? So so I think I think we need to stay focused and get people get more awareness from this whole uh, past week of um, of uh, social media excitement uh, and and a lot of uh, black and white yes no delete keep Facebook happening, but but move the conversation to how do we understand this more, and this is evolving too. How do we find ways to intervene and be part of that of the evolution in a positive way, right? So really, we need to huddle. We need to we need people who who. Um, who understands uh, social psychology, you know, we need people who to work together with people who understands algorithm, data scientists, right? And it needs to be at the core of our practice, the, the compassion, the kalyanamita, and, and this whole will to, to change things. The whole spirit of, uh, of, a, of a bodhisattva is is uh, coming back, you know, after being enlightened in, in the Mahayana tradition, after being enlightened, you remain on this, on this, uh, on this world to save, uh, in, in a way, okay, uh, uh, to help people elevate themselves you know, from suffering. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really what we need to have, this whole narrative, this whole discussions. You know. And we have seen a lot of, uh, you know, Buddhist, or spiritual personalities who become some kind of an influencer, very well known within within social media. We need to work with them so that is we can understand and use these tools better. Yeah. 
Otherwise, you know, it's a very easy route to be um, uh, to build up your ego. Okay, once you have a strong, strong uh, following there, you know, you, you you tend to be deluded that you are you're a great teacher, <laughs> and and that's the way the nature of Facebook is, right? It segments you. It mm. keeps all the same thinking, same you know, uh, likes together, right? So these are these are the traps we need to be aware of, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if Cho Kim Trungpa was alive today, he would be, uh, he would be tearing apart the digital spiritual materialism that exists <laughs> by uh, by virtue of these platforms. And I think it's so important that you bring it back to this uh, understanding element. Like we we have to understand the tools that we use before we are able to use them really effectively, and especially with like a, a kind of compassionate intent. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me, one of the major things as I was reading today, these different Facebook files and the different elements of the kind of expose that was coming out is that Facebook itself doesn't understand itself. It doesn't understand the role that it plays globally. Like there were, there was a couple of ridiculous statistics that I, I took notes of that I want to, um, I want to share because they they were kind of like <laughs> they were stupendous in the sense that uh okay let me just look them up really quick here I, I've got notes of them okay here we go in 2020 facebook employees and contractors spent more than 3.2 million hours searching out and labeling or in some cases taking down information the company concluded was false or misleading the documents show the documents reveal only 13% of the were on content from outside of the United States of America. That is mind boggling to me. Now that, that, that was one element. Okay. So they're, they're only kind of trying to moderate certain, they're only trying to gain insight into content. That's like within a very small scope of the actual amount of people that use Facebook. The second one was about the language gap on Facebook that there are so many different dialects in the world that people that use these platforms many many of facebook systems their artificial intelligence systems that actually do the um scanning of content to see if it contradicts or uh breaks any of their guidelines just don't under they're not coded to be able to read a certain dialect in in the ethiopian language and that means that people posting on Facebook might not even know that they're breaking rules about these things. And so what, but what this all really brought me to an understanding of is that Facebook has no idea (laughs) about like really how it's being used because oftentimes it doesn't even have the language coded into it or people employed that speak the language. And so this element of, of insight that I think comes when the first noble truth is suffering, right? <laughs> and uh, that there are causes and conditions for this suffering. And looking through the re- okay, there's human trafficking. Why is there human trafficking? Okay, there's all these all these things. It's it's a process, and you gain insight through that process. And what I've noticed is that much of the suffering that Facebook is experiencing as a result of this expose. It's just because it has very little insight into how to effectively run itself. And of course, that, that, that's the external. That's what's happening with this platform. 
the the work that we can do is understanding, like you said, how we can use this platform and how we actually how it engages with us in the first place. So I think there was an interesting exercise that was done as in one of these um, articles. And some, someone mentioned that it was actually it was kind of like a mindfulness exercise in that a teenager looked at their news feed or maybe it was the uh, explore or discover tab in Instagram for two minutes and noted all of the stories that they saw and noted all the advertisements that they saw and noted the like the specific type of content that was in these advertisements. Were they like trying to sell like kind of more sexualized images, all these things, just doing that, you can have this kind of little mindful experiment of, okay, what does the algorithm see me as? How does the algorithm understand me as a user? And how is this, how could this algorithm, which is what controls the news feed and the content that you mostly see, how is this affecting my own perception of the world and even myself? So that there are these ways of, I think, going through that, that process of kind of creating a little bit of space between your experience and uh, your, your reaction to it and being able to use that to gain means to have kind of identity on these social platforms. True. Very interesting. I think uh, I like what you said about, uh, you know, Facebook doesn't know itself. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, I think they, they know itself to the extent that the mechanism that generates revenue, it's a business. It's not a, it's not a social enterprise. It's not a civil society platform. It's a business. And it's a huge business. Right. So the the looking at the end game, the the, the end, which is revenue, which is profits, right? Then suddenly they find themselves um their product they don't understand. And you are very right. Uh by by you know the the papers have also the Facebook papers have also revealed that there were many uh initiatives you know like the uh, uh the civic consciousness portion and the awareness of the civic uh, duties ethical values there were so many suggestions so many discussions you know and studies happening trying to understand itself. But rather, I think in if you look at it from a dharma perspective, is 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 a is a good thing, right? You're looking inwards, yeah. And they are starting to 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 come to a point that, um, what do you call that? I think which comes first, which is more important? Do I do this that makes more money? Do I you know? Uh, do I put in some, you know, ethical values around some of the processes? You know, I, I think they are in that position. And this whole week has moved that needle of ethics, if you like, okay, a little bit more. And I, I think it's a positive move in that sense. Um, people are watching. People are, uh, are, people who are concerned are aware and I think changes will come. Okay, how fast, how soon, how big, how small? I don't know. Right, we have to rip into all the details and analyze the, and the 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 activities, the changes of the Facebook, what's happening. You know, um, to to really answer how much and 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 how long. 
right? But definitely changes is coming. I think uh, there is recognition that something needs to be done, right? And uh, there are other social media platforms that take different routes, like Snapchat, for example, have a pretty strong ethics committee or ethics division that looks at, uh, really looks at ethical values of, uh, of, of Snapchat, for example. And, and one of the things that comes out from there is that they, there's very little or almost no emphasis on the body. You know, like, uh, unlike the Instagram, there are a lot of emphasis on how you look, your skin, your color, but, but in, in Snapchat, you know, it's a deliberate effort to go towards funny, silly, you know, your face and all that. So uh, these are very subtle, you know, and some of these companies are, are taking this cue pretty seriously. Okay. Right. Twitter, I would say, you know, in my opinion, is, is doing something and, and they are quite open about about it. The ethical values are quite quite strong. In fact, they are also they are, they are even moving towards, you know, exploring, uh, what do you call that, uh, a, a more decentralized approach in managing, you know, the whole social media, right? So where where control does not go towards certain people to decide, uh, how we will interact, but it's in a more decentralized manner. And I think that experiment is quite interesting. Okay. If, I'm, if I recall mm -hmm. that uh, there's an initiative within Twitter called Blue Sky, and uh, it's worth looking into and to understand how, um, you know, some of these initiatives are driving the, the, the whole digital uh, social media platforms. Okay. So I, I, can, yeah. I can imagine 10, 20 years, you know, how is this going to evolve, right? So, so I, I, like I said, this is still very kindergarten. <laughs> it's a very raw tool. If you are in the, if you are in the age of the caveman, uh, is 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 a stone <laughs> probably tied to a stick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a weapon or as yeah. a tool, right? So yeah, we are we are very we are in very rudimental stage, and we are experimenting with algorithms that we are trying struggling to understand what it is, you know, <laughs> and in terms of even algorithm and data. Uh, big data analytics and so on. We are running on technology which are considerably very slow because you look at quantum computers, probably not too far from now, it's going to be huge and really, really fast. So how do you anticipate all this? So I think it's from, from a technology standpoint, quite exciting, you know, uh, and from a social standpoint, it's equally exciting because there are now so many spaces to intervene yeah, and to be part of this whole evolution. As long as you don't get caught into into being the user, don't get caught into being the product, right? So that's the awareness, and I think from a from an engaged um, uh, spirituality or, or engaged Buddhist perspective, we need to have this mindfulness of of what it is and and, and how this thing is moving. So, and these are these are these are my these are my thoughts. So I think we need to continue to have these conversations. You know, probably record it, share it with people, get more people to to converse and discuss about this. Yeah, much much more. Absolutely. I mean, if if there's one thing that's guaranteed, you know, it's change. The only constant is change, and that <laughs> there was an, there was even there was something that they wrote in one of these articles that I actually like laughed at out loud because they said that so that you know they there were all these like 
polls and the way that they they weren't able to moderate certain content and like all of these ethical decisions were like it's too complex for them. And they were like, yeah, we're we're building new artificial intelligences to figure this out. And I was just like, you need actual intelligence. Like, <laughs> step back from creating a new tool and just reflect and like use your use your inborn intelligence mm. to understand that like a lot of these problems can be fixed if you actually uh just just relax a little bit maybe take the take exactly take your foot off the gas mm. let a certain amount of followers just leave your platform and figure it out um yeah it's it's just it gets very kind of bloated and, yeah. <laughs> and overdone so um but i i wanted to go go to this uh blue sky thing or, or at least I've, I've got something to say about blue sky unless you want to respond to that go ahead yeah i've i did some research into blue sky and it's really it's really interesting and they have this website called blue sky hyphen community dot net and it's got all these really interesting resources on it um on the left for everyone they say and there's there's like links to decentralized uh, forms of social networking that already exist. So there's one called uh, Mastodon, which is like Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's one called Iris, which is like uh, Instagram. Um, and then there's like other other tools and apps. Like there's uh, encrypted chat rooms, peer-to-peer web browsers, uh, like a blockchain Zoom-like video meetings. Um, there's even like a... a an entertainment like Netflix type thing called watch it. And one for uh, audio called Audius, like Spotify. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's all these links here. I, I haven't actually, to be perfectly honest, I haven't clicked on them, but just seeing the little, uh, th- things, I'm uh, like descriptions. I'm like, Ooh, okay. So the, these, these, uh, alternative forms or like web three, web 3.0 versions of current, very ubiquitous technologies are, actually they they exist to a certain degree they may be in beta stages or you know filled with bugs but people are already piloting these ways of using networks uh, perhaps without the need for copious amounts of money to be funneled into what are essentially um monopolies on our data uh and so the, i don't know the, these things are very exciting and it's it's interesting to see that Twitter is kind of leading the charge, at least in terms of um, a big, super big uh, social media platform in trying to migrate over there um, in some form or another. And so I think that there's a lot of hope here and uh, a lot of interesting spaces to watch. And even a lot of spaces that I think people like fledgling little communities like ours that are quite cutting edge and I, I would say uh, open to these exciting opportunities. I think these are things that we can explore as well and begin to, you know, perhaps even build, just explore with curiosity and see how, how these things could work and if they might be um, actually good ways of kind of also leading a charge into these spaces with, with a kind of more, even more of an engaged uh, spiritual approach, which which may not be present in them at the current time. So I think that there's a lot of really kind of exciting opportunities in terms of where these trends are headed, 
that, uh, yes, they don't need to rely on you deleting Facebook and kind of jumping off the ship. Um, you know, you can use, <laughs> use the material that's coming up, explore it, and continue to go deeper. And, uh, yeah, many interesting things await. Yeah, but, you know, also, I, it's easy to be excited. I think we, 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 we should be excited about this. Again, uh, putting, putting in perspective the scheme of things again, these are all very new and, and it's, it's part of an evolution process. 20 years ago, there was no decentralized type technologies like blockchain, for example. Uh, you know, but, but, but people have always uh, explored and longed for very decentralized, disempowered, or, or should I say more empowered uh, communities coming together and um, some of them have found ways to, to, to use technology to, to, to achieve their, their goals, you know. And, and some communities are, are embracing this quite, um, quite, in, quite in many uh, in, in interesting ways, as you've seen, is blue sky, right? And, um, mm. you know, even, even initiatives like uh, may, may not be, be just technology, you know, like... Uh, Taiwan's zero government is also another very interesting, uh, you know, uh, initiative, right? So it's worth to to really, you know, uh, uh, have some mindfulness if you like. I'm not, I'm not sure if the traditional teachers would like the way I use uh, the term mindfulness. Mm. Uh, but, you know, of being aware of the development around us and, and, and anticipate the, the, you're right, and we all agree that change is constant. The, 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 the change, uh, and we are reminded all the time in our practice that um, uh, impermanence, you know, anicca, is a, is a inherent char- characteristic of, of things. So, and how do we live with impermanence? How do we live with it and, and, and not be not be swayed by it? Right, and uh, what not to do is not to be attached to something that's permanent, you know, that we think mm. is permanent. I mean, it changes, it brings despair, it brings suffering. So, let's not let's be excited about the technologies, let's not, let's not cling to it as the as the savior or is the way out, it's the best technology in the world, right? You know? mm. And uh, who knows what will happen next 20 years, 50 years, there may not even be technology, you know, the world will go back into reverse. <laughs> Right. Uh, so we, we don't know, but what we know is that we, we can we can chart, we can I, I like to say this again and again, we can intervene. Once we understand the interconnectedness, the the uh, the impermanence, the change, the nature of change, we can be part of the change, we can guide the change to something good. Right. Mm. So I think we need to constantly again same message, push, push, push of these discussions and to find ways to intervene. It, it would be nice if the engaged Buddhist community have a seat in uh, some of the AI ethics community, you know, and, and have our views heard. And we hear their views and understand. You know? So there are many ethics uh, initiatives, you know, AI ethics initiatives that are happening around the world, especially in the US and, um, you know, and, and in Europe. So you know, we should we should get our hands we should get our hands our feet in there, right? Just as the same way 
we have formed uh, organized uh, networks like ICE, uh, the interreligious uh, you know uh, action on, on climate climate mm-hmm. and environment that that we are able to to be present through our network at the at the at the COP meetings you know at the at the various international meetings the same thing we need to also find ways to 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 be present in all these initiatives that's coming up. I I think at some point there'll be some uh, coming together, you know, of different forces to make things uh, to make things better. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's the that's the other level we need to talk about. So I'm coming from a very very um, policy type higher level, but we we need to constantly come back to our personal personal practice, our mind, you know. Uh, don't be too distracted by the busyness of the social media. We have a when we have a problem, it's so easy to just get on the screen and keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, you know. And uh, we fear mm. missing out on things. You know, do you know this happening? Your friend is doing that, and I'm not there. You fear that you feel left out. I think we need to also come back to address this, this, uh, this, this uh, challenges on a very very personal personal level okay how do we make people use social media more mindfully in our last discussion we talked about the mindful is it a myth you know mindfulness on on the social media is it a myth right so so i think all these things are related we we we, we cannot we should not lose sight of our on the on the personal level how things are happening how we intervene and uh, have some foresight into the, the bigger picture and deal with that accordingly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so I, I wanted to actually, I've been, um, I've been reading this book, uh, incredible book called uh, The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying by Sogyal Rinpoche. Um, and there was this, oh, there, there was this incredible little poem in it that really struck me as uh, a wonderful example of, well, it's kind of a, it, it, it applies to social media as well, I think. Um, and it's called uh, Autobiography in Five Chapters. It's actually not written by him. It was written by a woman whose name I will uh, get to at the end. But um, the, it goes like this. Number one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Number two. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Number three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Number four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Number five. I walk down another street. (laughs) And uh, there was something very beautiful about the um, the way that poem made me think about the digital world. (laughs) Um... Because, okay, so the name of the author was Portia Nelson. Mm. Um, it was from a, it was quoted in the book called Healing 
The Child Within by Charles L. Whitfield. Um, but yeah, the person who wrote it was Portia Nelson. And it, it made me just think that like, <laughs> as, as I engage with uh, a social media, say Instagram, I kind of like, you know, when I first started using, it's just like, you just jive, dive in and you're just flicking through, flicking through, flicking through. And suddenly you realize, oh, an hour has gone by. And you kind of like, you know, you're, you're pulled out of it probably by some other task uh, that somebody demands something from you <laughs> or you need to do something. And then slowly things evolve and like suddenly like as you're inside of it for ten, like after 10 minutes, you realize, oh, okay, I'm here. Here I am again. And then you kind of like you eventually get yourself out. And, and then, you know, and, and then after a little while or after quite a while, in fact, in my case, um, you know, I come to the point where like I'm about to click on the app and I realized that I actually had no reason for going in there. My brain just automatically was about to dive down this hole and I, and I stopped and I just put my phone down and I do something else. <laughs> and then I walk down another street. Um, and then of course a different thing happens and like, I'll get sucked into that. But I thought this, that poem so perfectly kind of captured what it can feel like to be sucked down, uh, like kind of, the doom scroll or the, the doom scroll hole <laughs> as it were. Um, and yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just kind of like really resonated with me. So I wanted to share it. Oh, thank you. That's, that's, that was very, very beautiful and quite, quite fitting in our discussion because we, we do things and again and again, we you know, wondering why we continue doing it, even though it's painful. I think it's, if we put social media technology, everything aside, and in going back to basics, it's about, you know, looking inwards to our minds and what what drives us, you know. Is it fear of change? Is is greater than the fear of falling to the hole? Right? Then mm-hmm. we got to deal with the fear. You know? Or is it just lack of mindfulness? We keep walking and falling to the same hole time and time again. You know, what are we doing wrong with our lives, right? And in many cases, from a from a practice perspective, social media forces you, you know, to continue to do things again and again and again. And mm. you seem to be out of control, you know. And uh, and you reading the the articles of the Facebook files. Uh, you know, gives the impression that humans don't think. If I switch <laughs> one button off, I take away the share button, humans will react this way. You know, I I, mm. I put something there, you know, a, a little button that try to dispel uh, misinformation, humans will behave that way. Right. I, I think that that's the real, to me, that's the real problem. You know, we need to educate and transform ourselves you know, to to recognize this and, and not fall into the trap of of how our environment dictate, uh, dictates us, our digital environment dictates us, our physical environment dictates us. And if you, again, take away um, what we call this the whole digital environment, you know, we, we want to understand nature around us so that we are not affected by happening around us you know and uh, in, in the in the one of the traditional you know chinese buddhists were saying you know 
don't don't be swayed by the eight winds, uh, the praise and blame, you know. The you know they do not disturb you, okay, right? The fear do not disturb you, you know. Happiness do not disturb you. Sadness do not disturb you. Your mind is still steadfast, right? So I I think when I said in earlier part of the discussion, you said the amplification of our nature, okay, the negative part of nature, uh, is what uh, the the biggest problem of, of of social media like Facebook is is this it amplifies this non-thinking lack of mindfulness aspect of right? so so we need to find ways to do that you know uh, i'm not saying it's bad we totally delete facebook but you you need to make a choice first of all be aware that you are zombie scrolling right and we got to stop mm. right okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you 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 get so upset and and you know you get so disturbed because when you're working on something uh, someone notifies that your, your your phone beeps or someone made a posting and you quickly run, you know, with your fingers to <laughs> scrolling and you start to multitask and after a few things, you lose your mind and you and you, you become very agitated. Right? So that's that's what we, we don't want. Right? And that's the first thing in, in, in you know, maybe we should do classes on <laughs> digital mindfulness in that sense. <laughs> Put the phone next to you, let it beep and don't turn your head. <laughs> Right. Right. Okay. Be, don't move your finger. <laughs> you know. So I, I, I think this is we need to go against the grain in that sense. And it's really challenging because uh, the way we are educated, the way we have been brought up is so is so triggered by external externalities, right? And the the the, the deeper uh, manifestation of this is uh, I like this kind of clothes and, you know, things you buy, you resonate with, you know, you relate, relate with certain personalities. You are not you anymore. <laughs> right. So again, back to very, very basics is search within yourself, you know, and, and understand yourself, not be a product of what's the environment, mm. digital and physical environments wants you to be, but how do you be yourself? Right. So I think that's the question we need to keep hammering it in, you know, and in life was much easier those days when there are less media, uh, you know, and it's easier to practice mindfulness. That's why people go to the forest, you know, and move away distractions when you're in the city, you know, you're distracted by so many things. And and distraction is the main thing because distraction allows uh engagement, it allows stickiness to the to the platforms. When stickiness is there, revenue is generated. So, so it's, it's it runs counter to 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 a lot of the principles that we we work for. How do we how do we unravel this, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's like the <laughs> it's a vortex of samsara it, inside of those algorithms. That they're they're like samsara producing machines. It's like their entire goal is to can keep the mind in this deeply engaged state of like yeah it's just it it's very um that's why it's it's a it's a very it's a fertile ground for practice in that sense like if you are able to run it, i think that's an excellent ex- exercise a great idea if you could run a, a little workshop even at a conference for 5 minutes where you know, you say, uh, I don't know, everybody is added to the same group chat 
and the 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 person who's leading the exercise says, "Okay, I want you to uh, close your eyes or put your phone in front of you and like look out ahead of it, like the kind of like you would in zazen, like you keep your eyes kind of half open, half closed, but you keep your phone like you know within." peripheral view almost <laughs> and then on the on the, the exercise is just don't look like just don't look and then it becomes a kind of like don't imagine a white elephant thing which is like that classic neuroscience thing where like you have to imagine the white elephant if somebody says it but um i i think I, and, and there are obviously ways of refining that to be a little more delicate <laughs> but i that would be an excellent exercise because what you know what most retreat experiences are like or just meditation exercises like turn your phone off put it in this tray and we'll and we'll throw it away we'll put, we'll put them in the other room it's like oh but maybe you're actually you know creating this kind of false separation between the fact that your phone is always in your pocket or right next to you <laughs> and you know if you're actually going to be able to con- maintain a consistent and deepening practice you're going to need to integrate that device into it and it, it's a little bit unnatural, actually, to remove your phone from this situation. Of course, humans weren't born with phones, but nowadays they practically are. So, you know, we need to be able to evolve these kinds of things to incorporate what is, in a sense, just an extension of our mind. That's that's really what the phone is, like, in, in a personal sense. I know that the way that my memory works is deeply affected by the fact that I have the internet at my fingertips almost all the time. Like I'll know that I don't need to remember specific information. All I need to remember is a key word to search in Google, which will give me the information almost immediately. And so my mind creates this in psychology is called a heuristic like shortcut. I don't need to waste memory space on remembering the details of the, uh, that baseball game that I went to or this person's date of birth or when this event happened, all I need to know is the detail of what the event is called. And then within 15 seconds, I can have all the information that I needed, even much clearer than I would have been able to remember. So th- to this extent, our phones and these devices are a deep extension of our minds in the world. And to be able to relate to that extended aspect with like the quality of sati, being able to cultivate that in terms of this extended realm of awareness is I think extremely important for the world that we live in now because otherwise you know we kind of we get overwhelmed very quickly and and we do get overwhelmed very quickly so I don't know I think yeah. designing a kind of workshop <laughs> would be very uh it'd be very eye-opening to try something like that and I think that it's definitely something we should attempt yeah let's let's uh let's see you know whoever listening now you know you probably put the recording out to so just the two of us, <laughs> and and uh, which uh, zazen teacher would uh, start this, you know, mm. and and enter, yes. and enter the zendo with your phones on high volume, fine, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you have you have to join these three these three WhatsApp groups or Line or whatever it is, and we're going to be sending you very uh, erratic updates and messages. Including at night. <laughs> Actually, you don't. You don't need to form the group. I think uh, people already have enough groups. <laughs> that, right. That yeah, will, you're right. Actually, yeah, it would be know. more random yeah. if they leave it open. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit. Sit with 
Right. That's like you really just just sit with your life at this moment, and your digital life. To 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 deal with it the same way we hear a sound, we hear the thunder, we hear we hear someone dropping the the bowl in the zendo, or you know, someone opening the door in golf creeks, right? You know, the, the, it's the mind. Yes. It's not the phone. It's not the digital platform. It's the mind, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's the you know kind of a digital dharma boot camp. We should organize this. Maybe digital bodhisattva should organize this kind of event. So the techno dharma. Yeah, techno dharma retreat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we we could even I mean I don't know, maybe it'd be too intense to host it in the middle of a city. <laughs> maybe that'll be like the real like a hardcore retreat will be okay. We're just going to be sitting in a city park with all of these noises as well. <laughs> so we, we we can start with the with the with the zazen sessions, you know, once a week, and we yeah. don't we don't bar my handphones from getting into the zendo or or the meditation mm. hall, right? Okay, yeah, bring them in. Fine, just watch it as you will watch any distraction, you know, that mm. arises in your mind during the session, right? Yes, <laughs> and I, I'm even thinking personally, like. You know, many phones have the same uh, notification sound, like for Messenger or whatever it is. But if somebody else's phone gets a message, like I know my, my mind will be like, oh, is, is that my phone? I should check it. Oh, no, I should. Maybe it's not my phone. And like <laughs> there'd be all of these like layers of uh, extension or, or awareness that normally, um, yeah, you, you know, you would purposely be removing from your meditation environment um as like a as like a basic thing so yeah this is definitely this is a this is a maybe an evolution of practice or like an experiment in practice um yeah i'm I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) the more traditional teachers will probably throw us out (laughs) yeah well fair enough then again we we will never know right you know the 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 way buddhism has evolved you know it has he has adapted. It's about the only one of the very, very few world religions, in fact, the only, if I know, that has adapted. That, that's, that's all the, the different schools of practice is so diverse, you know, from one another, and it interprets it so, so uniquely within their own culture and, and, uh, and uh, lifestyles, you see. So, yeah, who knows, you know? The, the, the more we mm-hmm. raise these conversations, I think the more awareness, I think something may happen. You know? Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to practice. Yeah. And maybe it's a good time to pull this discussion to an end. You know? For sure. Again, it's nice to have a, uh, have a discussion like this, you know, to explore what's happening in the digital uh, economic world and bring it to, you know, putting it together with our practice world and uh, without without going crazy, you know, trying to see things as one and not be sucked in too much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Those are my last words. Dexter, you can say your last words and we can, <laughs> can wrap up the session. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, I mean, for, for anyone listening, Digital Buddy Software is all about having these conversations and we, we were encouraging them at least every week. So join our clubhouse and uh, yeah, stay tuned. We've got lots of exciting, as you've heard, exciting things in the works and it's, uh, 
it's a wonderful melting pot and uh, platform for exploring these ideas. Um, so all are welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye-bye.